Good evening, and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. If you're new to the podcast or a veteran listener who just hasn't done so, be sure to follow and subscribe on Apple, Google, Megaphone, and Spotify. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's podcast, we'll be taking a quick look at how the Jets are doing, especially on the uh, current roster situation, because there have been quite a few changes over the last 48 hours or so. We'll also preview a bit about the next matchup against the Chicago Blackhawks, who roll into town tomorrow. Before we close out, our final segment will consist of the 12 Days of Christmas series, where tonight we're going to be thankful for one Mikhail Berdine. If that name already conjures up mental images, you're already on the bandwagon. Congrats. You're awesome. For the rest of you, you're still awesome, just maybe slightly less awesome-ish. And now, onto a brief update about the Winnipeg Jets and the state of the roster, which right now we might say is in a bit of flux. Um, Andrew Kopp was moved to the injured reserve along with Matthew Perot, which is, as we say, very ungood. Um, for those of you who are aware, I am a big Andrew Kopp fan, and I'm also a pretty big fan of Matthew Perot. So, both of them being out long-term is not great for the Jets. Winnipeg's bottom six is already a little bit threadbare as it is. Even at full strength, the third line had to do a lot of heavy lifting because the fourth line is basically, well, not really NHL caliber, to be honest. Nick Shore is maybe the most decent of that unit, but uh, Gabriel Bork and and Logan Shaw are not exactly high-end NHL forwards. Not even depth forwards, really. We kind of know what those guys are. So, at this point, the Jets have caught up Jansen Harkins and Mason Appleton, which we have a little bit of an idea about Mason Appleton. Jansen Harkins is a bit more of a mystery. Harkins has been quietly stewing over the past several seasons, marinating nice and slowly, and he's taken the lead in Manitoba Moose scoring this season. In 40 less games, Harkins has already equaled his AHL scoring record um, at 31 points in in 30 games, which is a pretty respectable record. Jansen has never really been one of Winnipeg's highest-end prospects. Um, He was considered something of a depth forward and kind of a blue-collar, two-way center, Um, especially when you look at his old scouting reports. This season, he's been a pivotal part of Manitoba's offense. The Moose aren't exactly a high-end offensive juggernaut, but Janssen has been involved in so much of their offensive production. He's about nine points ahead of the next closest score, and is one of the linchpins of the entire Moose roster. Is he that high-end of a player? I I don't think so, to be honest. I think that he's going to be a good depth forward. In the situation that the Jets find themselves, they basically don't have any real NHL forwards past the top two lines, maybe? I mean, there there is some NHL talent in the bottom six, but not a whole lot, generally speaking. Um, so Winnipeg is basically relying on a two-line system, at least until they figure out something. Stefan Nason and Austin Zarnick hit waivers today, but as far as in-house solutions are concerned, Winnipeg calling up Mason Appleton and uh, Janssen Harkins seems to signal their intent. Harkins is the one I'm most intrigued by just because we've never really gotten a sense of what he is at the professional NHL level. We do know that thus far he looks like a pretty capable AHLer, but whether that actually translates to the NHL level is kind of an unknown. He's still 22, so he's on the younger side, but at this stage of your career, if you're hoping to make the NHL, around this age kind of needs to happen. It'd be awesome if he's actually a pretty decent depth forward, which would be ideal in a situation like this where the Jets are very thin on depth and need some immediate in-house help. I'd also like to see, just in general, how Harkins does at the NHL level. Um, Right now, Winnipeg is kind of running on a lot of guys who are more suited to the AHL level than anything. Um, No disrespect to to Bork and Shaw, but I think that we kind of get a sense that they're not really NHL forwards at a high level. Both are hardworking and very industrious, but as far as actual outcomes out of that directed energy, eh, they don't really get that great results. 
the league has lots of guys like these who who work really hard and put in a ton of effort on their shifts and block a lot of shots, but they just don't really focus and direct their energy in a way where you get a lot of good on-ice impact. Which is unfortunate, because I think that Shaw and Bork seem like great guys, and I know that they, they try hard and they contribute a lot on the fourth line, but um, unfortunately their impact is negligible. In fact, they tend to drag down things like the penalty kill unit and uh, Winnipeg's even strength play from the depth forwards. This is kind of where someone like Harkins and Appleton really have an opportunity to step up. I kind of like Appleton's game, but I think he's also a little bit of a simpler player. Um, for a while, I thought that he might be the next Andrew Kopp. That hasn't panned out 100%. He's still decent, I think, but just, I don't know if, if he's really more than a fourth liner. He's definitely shown flashes of being decent. You know, maybe a third line forward or something like that. But beyond that, I don't know. Kopp has, has cemented himself as something of a, a utility player, with potential second-line upside. I would be hard-pressed to say the same for someone like Mason. Harkins is the kind of sleeper guy that would seem like a perfect opportunity to give a shot to and see what he can do. Winnipeg has a few guys like this. Um, there's, you know, Michael Spachek sitting there. You've got Harkins. You've got maybe Chibasov, who's in his rookie North American season. So Winnipeg has options. I mean, there are plenty of depth forwards that they could call up and, and give a shot to. But I do like the choice to look at Harkins as well. It's also a financial reward for him for the amount of good work that he's doing at the AHL level since his contract then converts to an NHL level and he starts receiving a, uh, a nicer payday. All that said, I'm keeping my expectations in modest check. I think that Winnipeg is very thin right now, and they're not very good even when they're at full health. The defense is, at this point, running on fumes, and the forward units are having a little bit of trouble um, getting out of their own zone. So there's a lot to work on, and uh, the amount of injuries to some of the key depth contributors really isn't helping Winnipeg's situation. Someone on Twitter suggested that if they hover around 500 over the next span of games, that that would be pretty decent if they can get through the break um, with that record, at least until some guys get get healthy again. I think Hellebuck might actually carry them above 500, but we'll see. It's kind of hard to score when you don't really have any depth uh, past your top six. Hellebuck's also been playing a lot, so I don't know how his, his fatigue level is going to be going forward. People will say, oh, you know, these goalies, they play tons of games at, at the minor league and junior levels, they'll be fine at the NHL level. And that may be true to a point, but we also don't really have a great sense of how continuous play, especially on a, a position as physically demanding as goaltending is concerned, we don't really have a great sense of what that does to the body, and whether or not these guys are actually capable of sustaining performances like this over the entire season with this workload. That makes it all the more important that whoever Winnipeg calls up has at least some defensive acumen and, and can contribute to transitioning the play out of Winnipeg's own defensive end. Hellebuck is practically swimming in his own crease because he has to fish for so many pucks that the Jets just don't seem to want to clear out of the crease. Whether or not Harkins and Appleton can have a positive defensive impact remains to be seen. Um, Harkins was billed as something of a two-way center when he was drafted. Uh, whether or not he really fits that profile now, well, his scoring record at least seems to indicate that. He's piling up a ton of uh, goal contributions that are not direct goals, so we'll see how he does at the uh, NHL level. I'm not sure if either he or Appleton will immediately make the lineup. I think that Appleton certainly will, but as far as Harkins is concerned, um, hard to say. I would not want to see Bork and Shaw paired at either of their hips. I don't think Mason and Janssen can actually carry those two, um, which is a shame because that's all we're working with right now. It's super funny to think that Winnipeg has so many issues with depth forwards because, well, the coach has his preference for grittier, tougher guys who block shots, but also the, the roster depth just isn't that strong right now. This used to be a position that Winnipeg never really had questions about, but forward depth this season has been something of a concern, especially with the addition of injuries. We're still down Brian Little, which I actually tend to forget that happened, um, and hopefully he's he's doing well. I hope that his recovery is going well. 
but he's still a ways off even if he returns this season. When he does come back, it's kind of hard to say what, what physical state he's going to be in because he hasn't really been skating or playing or practicing from what I understand. The Jets are in a bit of a precarious situation, so these next few weeks are going to be a big test of the team, as if the previous weeks weren't already a test as it is. One might believe that Winnipeg's Christmas shopping list at the trade deadline is going to be pretty long. Speaking of Christmas lists, if you're still looking for your own Christmas gifts for your best friend or your family member, or even a loved one, head on over to BreakingTea.com slash LockedOn. Breaking Tea has all the most current and contemporary sports events captured on wearable t-shirts. If you're looking for the ideal commemorative item for that sports fan who has everything, be sure to stop by Breaking Tea and check out their entire catalog. I mentioned earlier that these next few weeks are going to be something of a test for the Winnipeg Jets, and that test starts tomorrow night against the Chicago Blackhawks. As a franchise, Chicago is in a weird spot at this point. They're not very good, and they're still kind of rebuilding, but they're also tied to a number of contracts that prevent them from making any real moves. The Hawks have some neat prospects in tow, but they've also made some very puzzling moves to dump some of those assets in deals that I really wouldn't have considered great. One of them was uh, Henry Yokiharu, who I thought was a very good defensive prospect that they took 20, uh, 29th overall in 2017. Of course, I have a soft spot for Finnish players, but Yokoharu was actually doing very well at the lower levels of hockey, so I was kind of surprised that he ended up getting traded for Alex Nylander of the Buffalo Sabres. Alex is the lesser-known member of the Nylander clan, and uh, unfortunately his career has taken something of a uh, general downswing, would be to put it lightly. Nylander is kind of disappointed at most of the professional levels of hockey just because he was taken pretty high by the Sabres, and I think that they had very high hopes for his development track, and it really didn't pan out that way. I'm not sure if Buffalo thought that they were maybe getting the next uh, Willie Newlander, but that didn't pan out at all. Alex, in his time with the Rochester Amherst, really didn't impress, and I think that, generally speaking, he was a very underwhelming prospect, especially given Buffalo's expectations for him. Yokoharu, on the other hand, has been impressive at every professional level that he's played, and he's only spent around a season and a half playing in the pro North American circuit. In 68 games between the Rockford Icehogs of the AHL and the Chicago Blackhawks of the NHL, he recorded 29 points in 68 games. His on-ice impact actually looked pretty great, too. In fact, he was one of Chicago's best defenders, and it's really puzzling that they ended up moving uh, Yokoharu for Nylander, especially when Nylander is less of an organizational need than Yokoharu at this point. Nylander hasn't been terrible for the Blackhawks, but I don't think that he's had anywhere near the kind of impact that you would expect from somebody who's replacing essentially a top-four defensive prospect. The rest of the Hawks are doing, eh, not so great. Patrick Kane is having a monster season with 40 points in 34 games, but the rest of the roster is ooh, not really close. Debrinkat and Taves are the next highest scores with 24 points in 34 games as well. Not what you want to see from your top players. Chicago, generally speaking, isn't isn't creating all that much at even strength. Most of their wins this season are coming off of the back of Robin Lerner, who's posting an insane 9-2-4 on a team that isn't that dissimilar from the Jets. That's not to say that the Blackhawks are actually on par with the Jets. I think that Winnipeg, generally speaking, is superior. But at the level of, of hockey that they're playing right now, both of them are in similar streets of just not being that good. I expect tomorrow's game to be pretty loose and uh, very fast. Lerner was saved tonight. Uh, the Blackhawks were playing tonight and just lost to the Colorado Avalanche. And uh, it appears that Corey Crawford got the start for, for Chicago. So they're giving us the better goaltender tomorrow night, which doesn't bode well for the Jets. Hellebuck will probably be in net again, so at least uh, we have a fighting chance if Hellebuck uh, goes toe-to-toe with Lerner with the same save percentage or something better. With Winnipeg's forward unit so thin, I really don't know how the depth forwards are going to handle Chicago's depth, which 
They have a lot of speedy guys who are maybe not the highest end skill players, but can cause trouble with a little bit of net front chaos. Winnipeg has enough defensive issues to nullify some of the skill disadvantage that Chicago may possess. I also think that, generally speaking, Winnipeg has enough scoring depth to probably cover over some of their other defensive issues. Well, at least I'm hoping that's the case. Uh, if Lerner pitches a really strong game, then we're kind of screwed anyways. Containing Kane is also going to be something of an issue. If uh, if Kane's a, on a bit of a heater right now, that's going to be a problem for the Jets' defenders, who really don't handle pressure all that well to begin with. They've had an annoying habit recently of forgetting who their man-to-man assignments are, especially when it transitions from a zone to a man defense, so... Yeah. Uh, I would expect that Kane is probably going to pot a couple of goals tomorrow. If Kane does get covered and is pocketed by the defense, I mean, it opens the opportunity for guys like Debrinkat, Taves, and, and Strom to cause hurt to the Jets too. The Jets certainly have an opportunity to win the game. I mean, this is a very beatable opponent in every respect. It's just, I don't know that they will, especially with the losses of Perot, Little, and now Cop. That is a lot of offensive and transition value lost for this team, which struggles with both already, so... Yeah, I'm a little curious to know how everything pans out. I do take some solace in the fact that Chicago is as defensively leaky as the Jets, sometimes worse, depending on the day, and they just lost to the Avs at home, so we're going to see what this team is capable of. Um, Chicago should be fatigued and tired, but the last time that Winnipeg played a team that was on a back-to-back, I don't think it went that well. Despite Hellebuck's excellent career numbers against the Blackhawks, I would not take Chicago lightly. Winnipeg's in a fragile state right now, and Carolina proved that if you make a single mistake, eventually it's going to end up in the back of your net. Mostly because Winnipeg chains a lot of those single mistakes into a very long sequence of comedic um, activity. Hopefully tomorrow will be better than what I expect. Um, I think Winnipeg is a, has the opportunity to be a great team sometimes, and they show it every now and then like they did against uh, Carolina during the first period and parts of the second and third period, but we'll see. I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer, I'm just kind of nervous because this team is in a very fragile state, and I think more than anything, they just sort of need to survive till the All-Star break. Get healthy, find some NHL defensemen, like, <clears throat> cough, cough, calling up Sami Niku, <clears throat> cough, cough. Huh, who said that? Sami Niku? Haven't heard of that guy. Maybe shore up the depth forwards a bit. Uh, yeah, there's some shopping that the Jets do need to fill, and I mean, I think that they can make some moves to help improve and, and, and at least give some of the guys a break. I mean, the Jets' defense is overwhelmed right now. I think no one's swimming more than Tucker Pullman, so... Chevy and the front office have some work to do. But, on cheerier notes, we're going to talk about the greatness that is Mikhail Berdin, the Russian Birdman in net. If you've never seen a video of Mikhail Berdin trying to do something like scoring a goal from his own crease, ah, it's a really great sight, man. That dude is like the most entertaining goalie prospect I've seen in ages. Berdin is, in a lot of ways, a lot like a fellow countryman of Yeni Kuznetsov. Both are bracingly honest, but they have a very funny sense of humor about them, and they seem to enjoy what they do, outwardly at least, more so than a lot of the uh, other professional athletes in this sport. If you ever kind of watch Dean's body language and stuff, he's such a fiery, impetuous, and fun-loving dude. He's also hilariously honest in his interviews. One time he said he told some guy basically to piss off and get out of his crease, and then when the dude didn't, he ended up getting in a fight with him because that's his space, he said, and he didn't want it to be infringed upon. Usually, goalie fights are, are most certainly discouraged by their respective teams, but Berdin's the kind of guy who doesn't back down from a challenge, and I think that that reflects over his body of work and his career. Mikhail is more than just a personality. He's also one of the best goalie prospects in the NHL, and someone who I think is, has a very bright future if he can translate his success at all of the previous levels to the NHL. When he was with the Sioux Falls Stampede, he never posted below a 921 for his regular season record. 
The USHL is of course not quite on the level of the AHL or NHL, or even the ECHL, but it's still a pretty tough developmental league. Thankfully, Berdin's performance was most certainly not a fluke, and in 23 games for the Manitoba Moose last season, he compiled a 927, and in 28 games with the Jacksonville Iceman, a 912 save percentage. Berdin's kind of a funny goaltender because he's a very energetic, crazy guy on the ice. In some parts, he has elements of Hashik, a little bit of Barry Brust, um, maybe a little bit of Sergei Bobrovsky, some really entertaining goalies mixed in with his technical skills. And yes, he also does like shooting at empty nets. He's tried it like three times over the past two months. Behind a very bad Moose team this season, he's still posting a 917 through 26 games, which is all told pretty impressive. Goalies are voodoo, so he was taken in the uh, sixth round. Usually you don't draft many goaltenders all that highly. But Berardine, uh he might actually be better than some of the guys taken in the higher rounds of the draft. Thus far, his body of work matches his razor-sharp wit and hilarious quotes. He's a great player and somebody who I'm very excited to see make the NHL one day. When Hellebuck starts to age out and perhaps moves on, Berardine is his natural heir. Winnipeg having two blue-chip goaltenders potentially coming through their system is just fantastic news, especially ones as highly touted as, as Hellebuck was and as now Berardine is. Mikhail has already won several awards at the AHL level, uh, including a couple of Players of the Week awards from what I recall, so his trajectory just seems to be shooting upwards and upwards. I mean, I don't really know what this kid's ceiling is. I would like to get a sense that he's probably a starting netminder, but maybe he's something more than that. He's surely unconventional and a little bit crazy, but you gotta love this kid. He's outspoken, he's got a crazy personality, he loves having fun, he enjoys hockey, and he's really, really good at stopping pucks. That eventual first career AHL goal is just waiting for him too. He's gotten so close to scoring two or three times now, one of those has to go in. Right now he's 21 years of age, so he still has a couple of seasons left before we start seeing him in the NHL. I would wager to guess that at some point Laurent Brassois will probably move on to another team because Brassois arguably deserves a shot to start somewhere. I think he's actually proven that he's a very capable backup at least, and at times he spelled Hellebuck for extended stretches last year and did really well. Maybe Brassois' value was tarnished by the fact that he was playing behind the Oilers, but when you look at his relative numbers compared to the rest of the goaltending tandems he played in with Edmonton, he actually did pretty well. Last season, he was clearly the better of the two goaltenders between him and Hellebuck, so yeah, you know, Berardine has an obvious opportunity to eventually seize the backup role as a starting place. So long as he stays healthy and continues his professional development, I, I think there's a bright future for Berardine here. On a personal level, I just want to see him succeed because there just aren't many kids like him these days. A lot of the players are outspoken and increasingly so, but Berardine just has such a fun personality and seems to love hockey more than most people. He's arguably one of my favorite Jets prospects, surely on his interviews alone, but also because he's a really good goaltender, and I think that he has a bright future ahead so long as he continues on his current track. I'm very thankful for him, and I'm also thankful for the news that Dustin Bufflin appears to be heading at least towards something of a rehab. I still don't think that he's ever going to play for the Jets again, but if he does, it'd be nice to see him back in the Navy in white. I think the relationship between Winnipeg and Buffalo is probably beyond salvaging at this point, and it's probably best that both parties separate down the road, but for the meantime, if he can play some games for the Jets and at least help this defense out, that'd be ideal. In all likelihood, he's probably going to get traded somewhere because I think he does have it. He has value to somebody in the NHL. Um, I would love for him to have had value to the Jets, but it's clear that that relationship is probably over, so... If he goes to somewhere like Minnesota or something, that'd be fine. Bufflin at a quarter strength is probably still good enough to be better than most of the depth defensemen on NHL teams right now. He'd most certainly be an improvement for Winnipeg and be their second best defender immediately, but yeah, that time is over. Hopefully we get an okay return and at least some kind of capable NHL defender because lord knows this blue line needs help immediately. 
I can only watch Sabisa bull you and Boteto struggle mightily um, under pressure so often before I lose my mind. So with that, thanks again for listening so much. Be sure to follow and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Megaphone. And as always, go Jets go. Thanks again.